and welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host and the podfather of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, and my goodness, did I sound terrible last week. Echoey like the Holland Tunnel without traffic. Uh, like I'm in a brick, I don't know, brick echo chamber. Uh, I'm, I'm between mics. Uh, I know it's much better this week. It should get even better when the really good mic comes. So, uh, but apologies for the sound, my sound, last week. Oh, I'm glad you're with us. I'd be hit with Levo version if you left me with the idea that you missed this week's show. Here's our associate producer, Kate, with the highlights. Hey, Tony. This week it's performance measurement. There's a systematic method for you to get feedback on your nonprofit's finances, programs, clients, and employees. It's both art and science. Brian Shane explains this management and decision-making tool. He's co-author of the book, The Leadership-Driven Method to Performance Measurement. On Tony's Take Two. Planned Giving Accelerator. We're sponsored by DonorBox. Outdated donation forms blocking your supporters' generosity? DonorBox. Fast, flexible, and friendly fundraising forms for your nonprofit. DonorBox.org. Here is Performance Measurement. It's a pleasure to welcome Brian Shane to the show. He is co-author with Patricia Lafferty of the Leadership Driven Method to Performance Measurement, yeah. the how-to book on improving performance measurement in the public and not-for-profit sectors. With Patricia, Brian is also co-founder of BPC Management Consultants, a client-centered management consulting firm based in Ottawa, the capital, mm -hmm. in the province of Ontario, Canada. Yep. The book is at bpcgallery.com, and Brian is on LinkedIn. Brian Shane, welcome to Nonprofit Radio. Yeah. Good morning, Tony. Pleasure to have you. Uh, we're, we're recording just uh, early January. And uh, it's cold. You're, it's cold for you in uh, in Ottawa. It is. Um, actually, we had no snow in winter, and uh, we're under a, a major uh, snowfall warning. I guess it's coming from the states down here. And uh, so, actually, I love I love winter. I love I love the cold. I love skating and skiing and and all that stuff. So um, when there's no snow, it's kind of like just bad weather. You can't do anything except for go go for walks and. Uh, <clears throat> Oh, so you look you look forward to the snow? Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a photographer on the side, and um, um, I you know winter is when um, a lot of the raptors, you know, owls and eagles and hawks come down from the north. So it's uh, it's it's fun to do that, and I, so this is the time of year when I actually do a lot of my raptor photography because you know it's here, and I'm sure it's the same. Not probably doesn't extend as far as South Carolina or North Carolina, but. Uh, certainly in New York and uh, the upper upper northern states of the U.S. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, uh, those uh, predator birds. Yeah, they're hawks. Yeah, you know? hawks, raptors. I don't know. I don't know if owls are considered predators, but yeah, 
Anything uh, that eats, right. anything that eats. Yeah. So I, I, I joined the, I joined, enjoy doing that. And, uh, okay. Um, so, um, and well, when, when we, before we started, you said, uh, it's minus 10, uh, Fahrenheit and not too cold. You said it's not so cold. It's minus 10. My, it's minus 10 Celsius. So, so it's about oh. maybe, uh, minus four Fahrenheit. No, oh, that was Celsius. Okay. Okay. So uh, it's, still, it's probably five or six Fahrenheit. So it's, it's cool, but it's not. I love it's, that. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. I consider cool to be about 50. 50 is cool here in North Carolina. It's, it's funny. I was in Florida a number of years ago, and a friend of mine kept saying it was cold at 50 degrees, and I kept going, <laughs> it's cold at 50 degrees. I mean, try 20 below, but when I got down there and it was 80 and it dropped to 50, I said, yeah, it's cold. I, I can't yeah, yeah. well, of course, it's all, it's all relative, right? If you start at yeah. 80, 50 is, yeah. that's, that's what I'm accustomed to. So well, here in North Carolina. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So you're a photographer uh, and, a, and a performance measurer. Yeah. We're going to spend more time talking about performance measurement than photography. I hope that's okay. That's fine with me. I'm, okay. Okay. You've written books on – you have a book on performance measurement. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we should talk about that. Um, there are other podcasts for uh, for photography. Yeah. So let's, let's get people just acquainted with um, – what performance measurement is? What, what, let's make sure we just have a simple definition. Okay, sure. Um, I, I'm going to start with what it's not. It's not performance appraisal. And most people okay. make the assumption that when you're measuring performance, you're measuring it at the individual level right. with this performance appraisal. It's not that. It's, it's measurement at the organizational level. And it can be measured at lots of different levels. It can be measured at um, here we have departments that are broken up the branches and directorates, and you can mark, like I'd say most of my stuff is is helping people measure at the directorate or the branch level. The government wide performance measurement approaches, um, for the most part, don't work very well. They give the client, they give the government's plausible deniability, but they actually don't give the people who are running the programs, the information they need. So what is it? It's feedback. Yeah. It, it's feedback. It's feedback on your programs. It's feedback on your on your finances, on your people, and on your clients. It, it actually would, to, to make it, to give you a metaphor, um, it's, uh, it, it's a navigation system. So you can imagine running a business in the public sector. You're inundated with conflicting, um, problems and issues that you have to navigate. So it'd be kind of like driving a ship without a sonar and a radar system. You, you don't know where you are. So the the measurement system allows you to um, navigate through all this and yet still maintain your course, which is to help your department or your branch or whatever it is, get to where they're going. Um, and the type of feedback that you get, um, you know, you get you, you basically the one that, most departments are most interested in are the finances. Is are your operations cost effective? But you have to know if your programs are working um, and your services. I mean, when it comes down to it, the government, most governments, whether they're public sector, at the national, state, or city level, spend half their money on people. Yeah. Well, we're not we're not in the we're not in the government sphere. We're we're in the we're in the nonprofit, you know, the nonprofit okay. side. So, 
Yeah. So in nonprofit, it's it's probably similar. I mean, you spend half your money on people, half your money on programs. It's just just the norm of it. Um, so the navigate it's a navigation system that allows you to to navigate through the, the ever changing willow of financial changes, cuts, employee demands, client changes, and program program initiatives. And okay. And- and so, so we can all right. So we right. We could do this at the program level. We could yeah. do this at the at the macro organizational level. Yeah. Um, you know, our our listeners may or may not have departments. Yeah. Um, smaller smaller shops aren't going to have departments, but but some of our larger listeners could very well have departments. Um, yeah. Hospitals, colleges. So yeah, um, most okay. of, most of the people I work for are running. A program at a branch level or a, a, a branch or a directorate level. And they uh, can't cope with the ever changing flood of changes that come down from the department levels or, you know, from the, from the outside. And so th- this helps them to say, okay, we're not doing this today. We're doing that today, but we're still going north. Um, north being the strategic direction of the organization. Yeah. Your mission. Mission. Yeah, the mission. Um, and so, uh, you know, you get the you know, this four-pronged approach. You know, they call it the balanced scorecard, which is, you know, your finances, your programs, your clients, and your employees. You have to have that full picture it, because, I mean, if you ignore your clients, um, what are you doing? I mean, you're, you're, if you're not satisfied who you're, who you're helping, it doesn't work. And if your employees are disgruntled, you have poor motivation, more poor productivity. Um, so if you keep your people and your clients happy, then your programs and your finances usually work work well. So that's so, what it, so uh, decision making. I mean, this is going to help with decision making. Yeah, uh, identifying problems, which is going to help you solve problems. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when it comes down to it, um, uh, the basic problem with most organizations is that they um, they follow bad bad practices. For example. They buy something that's the cheapest. So if, if I'm a, a big uh, company and you buy, let's say, an IT, I mean, most of what government spends money on are IT, information technology, and large construction programs. So that's where they spend all their money. Roads, bridges, uh, whatever whatever it is. Um, and a lot of places, like in Ottawa, for example, they bought um, the uh, new transit system. Yeah, we're, but again, we're you know we're in the nonprofit side, so we're, okay. So, but I'm just saying, not, it's, not the government it's, side. But this is it. It's a city government. It's 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 still government, right? And they they bought a transit system um, that says it's been disastrous. I mean, they bought the parts from one place and they bought the rails from another, and there's the the integration of the system doesn't work. So it's been functioning very poorly. Um, uh, for you know, for a number of years now, and they spent like over a billion dollars, and because they bought the cheapest solution, um, so there's a lot of a lot of things uh, that people do in the public sector that are um, endemic. They don't they don't think about the consequences of doing it. It's just a, it's a policy. Go, oh my god, they just gave us a, li- a license to print money, um, so um, they get all their money on fixes and maintenance and. Um, this approach to performance measurement is, you know, is written in this book, and it, like I said, it applies to 
the nonprofit sector. And like I said, a lot of the problems, whether in the nonprofit sector, um, is that the writing, the choices made in that sector are um, ones that um, if you were an individual, you would not make that choice. You, you would make it based on how the, the, the purchase of an IT system or a new office or whatever would, would best suit your organization. Um, that doesn't yeah. happen in a lot of cases. And it, it's because um, people don't understand what performance measurement is. I mean, it, it's a, it's a government, it's a, it's a, an approach to making decisions based on a, a full spectrum of, of information that you require to run your organization on your finances, programs, your services, your employees, and your clients. Right, and we're gonna we're gonna get into the the process. I just want folks to understand it yeah. first okay. at, a, at a higher level. Yeah. And so yeah. this is this is a continuous process too, right? This is not just yeah. something discrete. We do it and then we check a box and it's it's no. done. This is an ongoing. Yeah. Iterative, iterative process. Yeah. So, for example, um, the finances and program service are, are measured on a continuous basis. Usually, you're you're you want to get reports feedback on a monthly basis. Now, on your clients and on your employees, that's usually an annual measurement that you get uh, on your clients. It's usually a client satisfaction survey for your uh, for your employees. It's usually an employment satisfaction survey, but then there's also a lot of metrics related to staffing and uh, that you want to take a look at as well. So that's a yearly process. So different times, but it's an on, it's a, it's a yearly ongoing process. That process feeds back into your plan. You can adjust your plan based on that feedback to deal with the issues that are, that are uh, revealed by the measurement. And who's involved in this? Uh, I know it, it, it needs to be, it's leadership driven, obviously. So, okay, what, so what, what, what leadership and, and who else besides leadership? There's three groups that, that get involved in this point. So the first one is that you need, I, I call it leadership driven because it has to be sponsored by a leader. So if you are um, in a directorate, you might have, uh, or some kind, you'd have to have the, the leader of that group be the sponsor of it. They introduce and make sure that um, people feel comfortable doing it. Um, then um, you need the people who are your, every organization has a planning and measurement unit within their group that feeds into the larger part of the organization or the organization as a whole. Um, and then you have the programs and services who provide the information to you um, on how they're doing. So there's three groups and they all have to be functioning um, within each, with each other, and um, it works. Like I said, it's it's an ongoing process. Um, when you started initially, people will say, "Well, I'm not comfortable with that." But again, they're they're confusing performance appraisal, right, with performance measurement. So that that's one of the big issues uh, with it. Um, okay. You know, there's not much written on performance measurement um, in terms of how to do it, um, and so uh, that's why the need for that's why the need for the book, the leadership-driven yeah. method of to performance measurement. Yeah, right? I mean, when I got into this, um, I, I you know I started doing it um, basically, um, you know, I was trying to make sense of it. How, how would I improve performance measurement? Because everybody has one but not many of them work well. 
And um, even in the outside of the not-for-profit, I mean, only very large companies have them. Now, today, you can see that changing. Um, when you purchase things in the private sector, a lot of times you get a transaction-based request for how did we do on this transaction? Somebody will give you a phone call or something. And so that, that's happening more. Not so much in the not-for-profit sector because organizations are much smaller. They have less money. And so you have to make things simple. It's time for a break. Open up new cashless in-person donation opportunities with DonorBox Live Kiosk, the smart way to accept cashless donations anywhere, anytime. Picture this, a cash-free, on-site giving solution that effortlessly collects donations from credit cards, debit cards, and digital wallets, no team member required. Plus, your donation data is automatically synced with your DonorBox account. No manual data entry or errors. Make giving a breeze and focus on what matters, your cause. Try DonorBox Live Kiosk and revolutionize the way you collect donations in 2024. Visit DonorBox.org to learn more. Now back to performance measurement. So let's let's talk about your simplified process. The yeah. so, leadership leadership driven method. Yeah. Okay. You so have, you have these four phases. Is this? Uh, yeah. So why don't, we, why don't we talk about the the four phases? Yeah. So the first one is readiness assessment. Um, are you ready for this measurement? So you have to have a, a some kind of a business plan that that is measurable. So in that in that case, um, you need a vision. You know where you're going to go. Your mission part is what you have to do. And then right. you have objectives. You have you know, like the four parts. You have the finances, the programs, the clients, and the employees. So when you have those four pieces, you're saying, in order to understand what are the, what's the feedback. And I, and I should mention that um, another thing that, that always gets completely forgotten is that the feedback is at two levels. One, are, what are your achievements? And the second, what are your issues? And the achievements part is universally forgotten um, because in any organization, there's always going to be achievements, um, things that happen that are good. In in, in the not for profit non for profit sector, um, the achievements will be smaller, but they're still there. I mean, they're fine. Uh, yeah, we still we still want to celebrate them. Yeah, I mean, you want to you want to know what's good. I mean, if and. And what people often forget in doing this is that you have achievements and they, they focus in on, on it's kind of like daily news. You know, the only thing they focus on is on the bad stuff. They don't say this person saved that person or, or whatever. And so like there's a balance. So the, in, in the four aspects of measurement, which are the finances, programs, people and the, and the employees, you have achievements and you have issues and you celebrate the issues and you do, you celebrate the achievements and you deal with the issues. So it's really important to understand that your feedback is of two kinds: achievements and issues. Right. And issues, issues aren't issues aren't bad. Everybody has them. It's just the nature of dealing with people. And, and yeah, no the, the the bad part come the bad part could comes in could come. Hopefully, it doesn't, but could in how you react to the issues. Yeah, the obstacles. It, yeah. How, issues, well, how does the organization deal with them? Yeah, and it doesn't issues, have to be bad. It could be very proactive and positive. 
Yeah, issues are things you have to deal with. They're not good. They're not bad. They just are. And, right, and, but you need and, to reveal them through yeah. the leadership-driven method to performance measurement. Yeah, exactly. So um, if you understand that you get achievements and issues across four parts of your organization, you're way ahead because most of what is measured is just finances. Are we cost-effective? Yeah, yeah. We need to move beyond that. So, it, so it, as part of these four phases that you have, yeah. we can. This is very customizable, right? To the to the organization. Yeah. So it, it, it's really an art and a science. The art, the science is there's a methodology. We have four four steps to building a measurement system, and the science is how you adapt that to the organization you're working for. No, so, the art. The art is how you adapt it. Yeah, the art is how you adapt it. So, right. Right. Okay. No, it's funny, when I was preparing for this, I'm going, how am I going to um, regurgitate this book? Well, um, that's my, yeah, he's, Brian is holding up his book. To, I'm not uh, saying, everybody's I'm not, not going to see the video, but that's yeah. my job to help you. Don't, don't, don't you don't, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, we're, we're going to hit highlights. If okay. people want more detail, yeah. you know, their choices, they got to buy the book. That's why yeah. I, that's yeah. why I said the book is at bpcgallery.com. Bravo yeah. Papa Charlie Gallery.com. Yeah. Uh, going back to my Air Force days, B- Bravo yeah. Papa Charlie Gallery. So, yeah, yeah we, we can't, we can't, you know, it's it's too technical. Um, there are a lot of acronyms and phases and things. Yeah. No, but, but so, you know, d- don't worry. We'll, we'll give, we'll give folks an overview. And yeah. those who, those who want to know more, they go forward and, and, and buy the book. So I, yeah. I want folks to know that this is, uh, it, it is, I'm glad you said it's part art and part science. And yeah. and the art part is customizing this to your nonprofit. Yeah. yeah. So the, the the customizable part is is um, the things that you know. How do how do I make it fit your organization? Um, what are the security requirements? What are the uh, timing requirements? How does it fit your planning and uh, measurement process? All that kind of stuff. How does that? How do I fit this approach to measurement to make it? something that's self-sustaining within the organization. In other words, it works like a machine. It just it provides the feedback that you need. It spits out the, the finances on the programs every month and it spits out the people and the clients annually. And then how does that feedback into your planning process so you can adjust your strategies and your initiatives to deal with them? And it, it's an ongoing process because whatever you deal with now, there'll be something coming up later. It's like a machine. Um, you know, the machine keeps functioning and, um, you know, that's the pe- that's the part that's missing as often as that you deal with your finances, but you're upsetting your clients or you're upsetting your employees or, you know, something happens like that. Yeah. Brian, can you, yeah. can you share an example, uh, a case study uh, of an organization that you worked with that, that, that benefited from this, or maybe they, they had a challenge and they didn't really know what the problem was? Yeah, identify it and overcome it. Uh, share a story, can you? Yeah, I, actually, before I got into consulting, I ran two national volunteer organizations. One was the Canadian 4-H Council, and one was the Canadian Orienteering Federation, which is a, a sport governing body. And in both cases, orienteering. Ori- I had when I yeah. you said orienteering. Yeah, I had, when I was in Boy Scouts, I had orienteering merit badge. Yeah, yeah, it's you had uh, to find your way out of the woods with a compass and yeah. and the sun and uh, yeah. uh, I mean. The, the leaders weren't too far away. I mean, they were. They didn't drop you off in a thousand acres. You know, yeah. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't survival. It was just orienteering. But yeah, yeah. we used the compass, the sun, 
you could measure heights, you could measure distances, yeah, things like that, orienteering. Yeah, and you know, and depending on where you live here, we live in the land of trees. You live, you live in the land of wide open spaces, so it's a little. When you navigate, yeah. I mean, you can see for, you know, for miles. When I, well, I have the ocean. The ocean helps. If I, yeah, if the ocean is on my right, I yeah. know I'm walking north. If it's on my, if it's to my left, I know I'm walking south. Which yeah. is actually not quite true because my, uh, that's the way it would be if you would think the ocean. But my island is actually oriented east west. Yeah. But in the normal course of ocean walking that that's the way it would be yeah. so yeah so i have i have i have a good you know it's there every morning i wake up yeah the ocean is there, so i can orient myself pretty well yeah when you're in the trees you walk 20 20 yards into the trees and you don't have a compass you're lost i mean you're yeah looking. you could be walking in circles you got to know how to walk a straight line look at yeah. that next tree ahead look at the next one ahead i, yeah. I know all about i had an orienteering merit badge so i know i know okay so you, you right. you're so anyway, I was the first orient. I was the first guy that ran orienteering. So we had to do. We had to develop a business plan because we had nothing. I mean, we had paper clips and a desk. And yeah. um, then when we started that, um, that was back a long, long time ago. Um, then we started to say, okay, how you know, we had a very small budget. We had to make sure we were cost effective. Um, we had programming services, so we developed it from from scratch and. Um, it became very apparent to me very, very clearly that um, I had to be very, very um, frugal with my money so that the, the organization could run. We had national championships. We had provincial championships. Um, and then there would be a national national champion. The, the first time that I went or, out orienteering, there's, there's, like, there, you know, there's like five or six levels. And the one level where you get out of the trails is the orange level. And I was, uh, I had been orienteering more than three or four months when I get out. And, and I remember this uh, fellow from um, Alberta and I was in this, uh, I was walking down, I don't know, I was in the middle of a, a stream walking um, with water up to my knees, not to my thighs. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, we're pulling the, uh, the the uh, flags up. I said, I haven't finished yet. And he said, well, it's yeah. over. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm going, don't, don't tell anybody. And so he said, no. You're the guy, you're the guy who takes uh, 11 hours to run the New York City Marathon. Well, if I could do it in 11 hours, I'd probably do it, but I, uh, <laughs> I'm not a runner. Um, anyway, so I said, don't say anything. And uh, and I said, if you do, I'll, I'll get you. And he, as soon as we got into, the, you know, back and everybody was in, this guy does not orienteer. He's never been orienteering his life. I found him, and I said, "How fast can you run?" <laughs> so, all right. So that was an embarrassing moment. It's time for Tony's take two. Thank you, Kate. It's time for Planned Giving Accelerator, the 2024 course. I'm promoting it now. The class is going to begin in early March. And it runs through the end of May. We'll be done by Memorial Day, so no impinging on your summer plans. If planned giving is on your to-do list, you want to launch planned giving in 2024 or in the future, you can take the class and then apply everything later on, then I would uh, ask you to take a look at Planned Giving Accelerator over the 12 weeks. Uh, we meet 
once a week for an hour over Zoom, and I will guide you step-by-step step how to launch planned giving fundraising. There's also lots of peer support because I set up the weekly meetings as meetings in Zoom, not webinars. So you can talk to each other. You can talk to the other members of the class, bonds form, people get to trust each other and talk about stuff that you might not talk about with, uh, well, you certainly wouldn't if it was you know, somebody in a, a one-off webinar. Um, the, the classmates bond and there is a, a good amount of peer support too, as well as the, the teaching that I'm doing each week. If you are interested in Planned Giving Accelerator, check it out at plannedgivingaccelerator.com, aptly named. And if you're interested in joining, you can use nonprofit, uh, the code, nonprofit radio 1500, the numbers 1500, nonprofit radio 1500, and that will save you $1,500 off the accelerator tuition in the month of January. So you have to join this month, January, to use that discount. PlanGivingAccelerator.com. That is Tony's take two. Kate. Come um, take a class and don't forget to use the code Nonprofit Radio 1500. Well, thumbs up. Absolutely. We've got just about a buttload more time. So let's go back to performance measurement with Brian Shane. It, it got to the point where I said, okay, uh, and this was what, uh, sometime before the balance scorecard, but I realized I have to run this like my own personal business. I have to understand my finances. I have to understand what I do, my programs. How do I relate to, you know, we had a few employees, but mostly volunteers. And um, so, I, you know, I, I began from, from that orienteering to develop the business plan. And of course, nobody knew how to do a business plan back then. It was like more of an operational plan, which was, you know, a yearly basis. So we, I wanted a, a five-year approach. And so we used some facilitation to develop a business plan that people agreed to. And we started measuring it, um, measured our finances. And, you know, we had a strict budget from the federal government here to run that organization. And, and it, it grew. I mean, we had we had national championships. We had provincial championships. And um, it, it grew. Now, orienteering is a very technical sport as you, I mean, you're doing it with an ocean, but if you're doing it in the forest, it's different. I mean, you have, uh, you're, you're trying to find a flag in a forest. Yeah. And yeah. You're, you're running through meadows and trees. I and mean, if you're up here in Canada, you can't go 10 feet without hitting a tree. I mean, in, at least in Ontario, there are parts of it in the Western part of Ontario that you could, but so it's a very challenging sport and you can be lost and try and find something. So, and so just so just so folks understand, you're, you're given a set of directions to follow, right? Yeah. Well, you're you're find the flag. So, yeah, 214 meters yeah, at, at at uh, 86 degrees. Yeah. Right. So you have to measure distance and direction. Yeah. Right. So and you, if you mess up, you're you're if you mess up at one step, you yeah. screwed the rest of the way, pretty much. Yeah, because the flag is small. It's only about yeah, uh, right. Now we're I know we're not yeah we're talking about a small flag, not a not a national Canadian flag is flying a thousand feet high. 
So it's, you're, it's, you're given directions and distances, and you got to follow the. Yeah, and you can only following steer. the course. There is no course. No, I mean you have to make your own way given the directions you got. Yeah, and the people, the best of the orienteers are people in Scandinavia, the Swedes and the Finns and the Norwegians. Um, that's the way it was back then. I'm not sure now. And anyway, we we uh, improved quite a bit in our ability to navigate and uh, to to do to do this. But it tended to be people who were. Uh, people who are cross country skiers, or uh, you know, people who enjoy the outdoors. For people who um, just the ordinary person, orienteering is this mysterical thing that yeah. <coughs> helps navigate the wood. So yeah. we, we developed a plan, and we we measure our finances, and we measure our programs in terms of how many people we had, and how we were compete, how we were competing, and, and progressing against the Swedes and uh, the people from Scandinavia, and we did well. I mean. Um, for a number of years, um, I, I was only there for a couple of years, but you know, I laid the basis for them to um, develop. And, um, and like I said, that's that's where I learned that um, you know I wanted to do project work, people work, and get paid well. And um, so I evolved, and I didn't know I was a consultant back then. I mean, that was way way before. Yeah. And, right. and so, and then I ran I, the the four the four H club um was similar but it was much more established in, in so the was, but let's get into the insights that you let you gained from the performance measurement what, yeah okay. how did that help you grow the organization well we, we learned that we didn't know how to compete with these with these elite people and um so we had to improve our training we had to improve our orientation to it um we had the thing is that um so much work goes into actually providing the facility. We realized we did not have great facilities for orienteering, so we developed some courses in, in in wooded areas, you know, across Canada. So you have to have a diverse set of woods. You have to have ponds and lakes. You have to have uh, you know different things you can run to it. It has to be, um, I think, a, like a full uh orienteering courses like 10 10 to 12 kilometers with all right so you gained these insights through the through the performance measurement when yeah. you uh you you talk about uh after you do the data analysis yeah you have windows you have these windows of sort of insight talk about you know, like the organizational climate window business planning window. talk about the, the 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 windows that you gain that gain you insight into your operations okay. after you've done the the data analysis yeah. So at some, at, at, at one point in the year, there's a, a planning and measurement cycle. So, um, that was usually uh, just after we got our budget in April. So at that point, I knew that I had to have the information on how we did in our programs and services. Finances were easy because they're tracked financially. Um, then I had to get insight into how we were doing in terms of employees. It wasn't that many. It was only like 20. But I mean, there were provincial offices and there were, you know, those 10 provinces, most provinces had offices. So I had to get insight how we were doing with our employees and with our clients. And like I said, our clients, people who did orienteering tended to be cross country skiers, marathon runners, that kind of thing. And when we got all that data, we, we said, okay, how can we improve our competitiveness? How can we improve? The number of people who are actually doing it, um, and we did, and so we, you know, our championships 
got better. We had um, many more people applying. So in an orienteering event, you would have six or seven levels. And we would, so the first level would be just. Well, let's go, Brian, let's go a little broader, you know, Okay. Outside the outside the orienteering yeah. organization, but but generally, what will what will nonprofits gain generally from the from the, well, the be more cost windows these, these windows that you identify around organizational yeah. climate, business planning, governance? Yeah. So what, the main thing you'll get in, in a nonprofit is you'll be more cost effective because you're you in, in a nonprofit. Um, you know, like I said, I ran two of them you have to be almost 100% sure that when you're making an investment that it's the right investment, whether it's on facilities, whether it's on an IT system, new employees. So you, you it, make sure you're cost effective and, and make sure your programs work because if they don't work, you don't get any, you don't get any return for your investment. So those are the two things. Now the, the employees you have, your employees, it tends to be a lot different because you have very few employees compared to um, public sector or private sector. So your, your employees, you know, but you also need to understand who your who your clients are. So they're stratified in orienteering or in most, in most um, nonprofit into, you know, the people who are doing a lot of your stuff and the people you're not doing that are doing, it's sort of the 80-20 rule. And so you're yeah. trying to get more yeah. people more people involved, whether, you know, whatever kind of uh, nonprofit it is. And a lot of them tend to be health related. They tend to be uh, activity related. And you just want to get more people involved because you believe in what you're doing. And uh, whether it, like I said, whether it's health, whether it's uh, an activity or sport, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you, you need to get people to see the advantage of what you're doing and, 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 and join in now. Um, in the orienteering, we realized that the biggest advantage would be um, trying to get people to, you know, find stuff. And it was, uh, and, and this has taken off now. There's a lot of this, there needs to be car rallies, but there's all kinds of things where people try to find stuff and they have to use orienteering skills to find it. And yeah, yeah. In places in, in Canada and the States, you can't go in the woods if you don't know how to orienteer, but you'll get lost. You'll get lost in our national in our national parks, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I like that you uh, you know and you analogize this to a navigation system. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, you know you you're understanding as as you've said your know, your finances, your clients, your programs, and yeah. your employees. I think uh, I think that's I think that's valuable for folks. Um, just uh, you know, just leave us with a inspiration for why we should. Take this to heart, performance measurement. Um, you know, it, it, it comes down to um, when you're running a nonprofit, um, you do it for the love of it. And you see how it's affected your life. And you want to share that insight with other people. And the only way you can do it is to prove that what you're doing actually works. And you see, um, you'll see people who come and say to you that um, if you hadn't introduced me to this, I would never believe that I could have actually improved myself. And um, a lot of what you're doing in, in nonprofit is you're improving your mental aspect of some part of your existence. It might be a physical, it might be 
um, like some aspect. It might be a, like a really technical thing. It might be it might be a really small thing. But that's what I found is that I was able to show people, and, and especially when I was working for Ontario, with a limited budget that you know we actually had an we actually had a measurable impact on improving our programs here. We had 50 people in, or 100 people in our last national championship. This time we had 500. All right. All right. We're going to, that's the enormous, enormous, yeah. Uh, yeah. enormous progress from yeah. 10 times. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. The, the book is The Leadership Driven Method to Performance Measurement. You will find it at BPC, Bravo Papa Charlie, gallery.com. You'll find Brian on LinkedIn. Brian, thank you very much. Thanks, Tony. Hope I helped. Next week, team engagement tips. That guest got back to Tony second after Brian Shane. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by DonorBox. Outdated donation forms blocking your supporters' generosity? DonorBox. Fast, flexible, and friendly fundraising forms for your nonprofit. DonorBox.org. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. I'm your associate producer, Kate Marnetti. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with us next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great.